Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads podcast network for even more great basketball content. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks show hosted by me. Devin Zanskis and brought to you by Hoopheads as always. I'm coming at you solo, but we have some potential future bucks to evaluate uh, as well as, well, technically also a future buck, but a returning buck, fingers crossed here. According to Mark Stein, Bobby Portis is very likely to return to the Milwaukee Bucks. I've heard from... Maybe other sources, not sure if it's Mark Stein or not, that uh, other teams are already discouraged from going after our guy, uh, Bobby, again, perhaps after last offseason, but also this coming offseason, you know, because perhaps there is an even stronger understanding out there within league offices that Bobby indeed uh, loves Milwaukee, despite perhaps being a bit being razzed a bit by the by the Walgreens cashier when I had uh, discussed meeting Bobby Portis last week. I remember it recording, <laughs> uh, looking up, and I think I had done somehow 18 minutes on that story. But I think it is truly a memory that will last last me a lifetime. Not to be dramatic, but yeah, the party keeps on going. As uh, you know, I'll say I was slightly skeptical at first because I initially saw it from a site that I wasn't sure how reliable it was but then once I saw uh, it was from Mark Stein you know a a name that all of us who follow the league recognize I felt uh felt much better about it I'll feel uh even better uh when or if uh Bobby signs on the dotted line uh once again and I read somewhere as well that the Bucks will be able to offer a four-year, $48 million deal, which sounds about accurate to me. As a quick reminder, though I don't have the exact math, uh, Bobby now has early bird rights after spending two seasons without changing teams, which means he can sign for a minimum of two years, maximum of four years. Remember, these are the same bird rights that the Bucks had signed Pat Connaughton to. Uh, his um his second contract with the bucks where you know i think the the deal was that they originally signed him for i forget the whole story there maybe maybe they tried using a different deal that that couldn't have included a player option remember that was the thing where you can't include a player option because it had to be at least two years with those early bird rights but either way we don't have to rehash that now Clearly not prepared to, but we'd be happy to have Bobby for two more years, maximum of four years on that deal. And the maximum salary for non-bird rights uh, is the greater of either 175% of Bobby's previous salary, which I believe uh, was around is around 3.6, if I remember correctly. So, you know, less than twice of that is definitely less than next year's average annual salary which i think is uh around 2 
Maybe I shouldn't go to so many decimal places if I'm not positive, but and yeah, if you do if you do the algebra there with uh, maximum raises of eight percent, you know, starting off at at a uh, ten point four, you know, you can see uh, where one could get to an average annual salary of twelve million dollars over four years. But yeah, maybe it ain't that fun to talk through math so much over over a podcast, even though I do, you know. I do enjoy the ninth or tenth grade level math that we do get to get to touch on here at times. And then some other big news. This isn't the theme of the show, but it feels weird to not go straight to some of the bigger Bucks news items, given that we're in the offseason. Uh, Adrian Wojnarowski first reported that Darvin Ham was hired as the Lakers' 28th uh, head coach. And he is now the 15th black coach in the NBA as it stands today, which is uh, an enormous leap for the NBA league comprised of uh, mostly black players. It only makes sense that at least half of them, half of the head coaches are are uh, black as well. So we're um, well on our way to a more, a more equitable league. But uh, Giannis was quoted after saying that... Uh, He's so happy for Darwin. He thinks he's the right, he's the right fit for the Lakers. Uh, says he keeps it real with you. There's no BS with him at all, and it's about damn time for Darwin. He deserves it more than anyone. Darwin was interviewed by Malika Andrews, uh, talking about him becoming uh, the next MVP. The NBA's next head coach saying that if it weren't for Bernie Bickerstaff, he wouldn't have had a chance to catch on in the league. Bernie Bickerstaff uh, coached uh, Darvin in the 90s. With Bernie Bickerstaff, I believe it was first with the Denver Nuggets. And then Bickerstaff also coached Darvin um, with the Washington uh, bullets or wizards. I don't know when their name changed over. I always thought it was earlier, uh, earlier in, in their history, maybe earlier in the nineties, but, uh, that's okay. Uh, of note is that Bernie Bickerstaff, uh, the guy who, uh, Darwin's, uh, largely crediting for finally becoming a head coach. Um, yeah, Bernie Bickerstaff's the father of JB Bickerstaff, who is, uh, head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, an early coach of the year candidate, uh, to be sure, for the for the su- somewhat surprising success that the Cavs had uh, this year. Uh, another uh, very interesting quote from Darwin. I actually just heard it um, just before recording here on a, it is uh, June 6th, just before 7 p.m. And on NBA Game Time, uh, Greg Anthony was talking. Uh, well, I forget exactly who was doing the interview. Uh, Greg Anthony was hosting NBA Game Time where, where they first played the, played the clip of the interview, but... Uh, Darwin said that when he was 14 years old in uh, April of 1988, he was 
actually shot in the face by a uh, by accident um, and he said uh, that happening to him uh, while he was growing up in Saginaw, Michigan with uh, Draymond Green who's just popping up on my screen now uh, right now fighting for yet another NBA championship uh, Darwin said um being accidentally shot in, in the face as a 14-year-old either makes you fearful or fearless, and it did the latter for Darwin, who um, had had a long NBA career after being being undrafted and is now having an even longer career as an NBA coach, hopefully uh, can be a head coach for a very long time in this league, whether it be with the Lakers or uh, anybody else. Maybe one day he'll come back to the Bucks, as he's seemingly loved by everyone. But uh, all the best to Darwin. Uh, as Yana said, it's about damn time. Uh, more surprising news from just today, actually, was that four-time All-Star Rashid Wallace is being considered. Keyword considered, because it originally was reported as... Um, sure thing that he would become an assistant under Darvin Ham uh, with the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Darvin, or excuse me, uh, Rasheed Wallace uh, played with Darvin in uh, in Detroit, Michigan, or <laughs> yes, in Detroit, Michigan, with the Detroit Pistons, close to where Ham uh, grew up. Ham won a title with Rasheed in the Pistons in 2004. Uh, I might have discussed how one of my early memories was receiving some uh, Detroit Pistons uh, championship gear for my uh, for my uncle who lived there uh, for much of my life. And yeah, there's there's some there's some NBA NBA items that you get growing up that just you know gets tossed into a pile to to goodwill um, without even thinking about it. Oftentimes, without your knowledge, and you wish you had it today. Uh, <laughs> so that's that's what that makes me think of, but I guess Rashid Wallace has been coaching with uh, the University of Memphis. Wow, uh, strong irony there because the same uncle I was just talking about um, is now a professor <laughs> at the University of Memphis, where he moved to after uh, after living in Michigan. Just put that together now. Uh, apparently, Penny Hardaway, the head coach of the University of Memphis, had strongly hinted at uh, this coming to fruition with Rashid going to the Los Angeles Lakers. But we'll wait and see uh, if it if it becomes official. Uh, usually, usually it does eventually uh, happen. But Stranger Things uh, have. Stranger things have occurred, and yeah, I don't think I need to get into anything related to <laughs> to the Lakers. They're uh, largely un- uninteresting to a lot of NBA fans uh, at this point. The most interesting is that I was watching the uh, No Dunks uh, Instant Reaction live show last night after Game 2 of the uh, the NBA Finals, 
uh, where the Warriors uh, came back and tied up the series after a 35-14 uh, third quarter. And jeez, uh, I get I get side oh <laughs> I get sidetracked so easily. During the No Ducks Instant Reaction live show, they uh, they put up a tweet that uh, LeBron James um, tweeted that he was looking to jump on a podcast soon and maybe his own. Would that be the biggest reach of me ever to try to get LeBron James on this show? Maybe, but, you know, I'm I'm always trying to shoot my shot regardless. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think one of these days I'll have a, I'll, I'll have a big name on this show to be sure. That's, that's always been, been the ultimate goal. Uh. Yeah, uh, just because it's it's a simple transition here, and you know we'll have uh, next forty five minutes if we can even do that to talk about other potential future bucks besides Bobby Portis. Uh, from one uh, disheveled franchise to another, uh, Adrian Wojnarowski reported that. Uh, Quinn Snyder had uh, decided to step down as the Utah Jazz's head coach. Uh, Snyder is widely regarded as a top-tier coach in this league, even though the Jazz have been maybe the most disappointing team, uh, if you take into account this entire era. Uh And along with that, um, Woj or Shams reported that um, Donovan Mitchell is quote-unquote unsettled and unnerved after uh, Snyder's decision. And I got to have some some entertaining... uh, Basketball scenarios throat float uh, through my head today with, uh, you know, trade destinations for Donovan Mitchell. Spoiler spoiler alert: uh, the Bucks will not will not be involved. Uh, but uh, a lot of the teams that were brought up were, of course, Eastern Conference teams. And uh, and that could that could certainly have an impact on uh, our Milwaukee Bucks. I might as well go through it with you all. I'm gonna try to pull up this here. So the first one. Um, was, of course, the New York Knicks often brought up uh, first in uh, hypothetical trade talks with superstars who, you know, Donovan Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell could come out uh, before before you listen to this show and say that he's 
he's a he's dedicated to stay in Utah for the long run, but you know, there might be a mo- there might be a little mo- more smoke uh, to this rumor than others in the past. Bleacher reports suggest uh, trading uh, Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks for R.J. Barrett, Manuel Quickly, Evan Fournier, and a 2024 uh, first-round pick. Uh, R.J. Barrett just came off of a 20-point-per-game season. Manuel Quickly, another uh, another interesting young guard. And Evan Fournier is Evan Fournier. Uh, pretty much average NBA player at this point. Maybe that's uh, that's somewhat unfair to Fournier, but he's seen better days to be sure. And a first-round pick. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty good, but there could be better trades uh, that come about here one that would particularly particularly impact the bucks would be if uh the jazz traded donovan mitchell to the heat for tyler harrow duncan robinson omar yurt seven and a 2022 and 2023 first round pick hero another 20 point per game uh scorer uh, of course, a uh, uh, native of Greenfield, Wisconsin. <laughs> Even though it might be kind of whack for me to bring up here, uh, it's been circulated uh, a lot. Uh, well, I already started speaking about the slander but uh, i saw saw on reddit uh some screenshots of some uh you know some circumstantial evidence that tyler hero um has uh has been disloyal in his relationship to um in, you know, the mother of his children, who's an Instagram uh, model, former girlfriend of uh, Kyle Kuzma, actually. Uh, forgive me, I don't think I'll remember her name uh, correctly, but I feel like I'm a little out of pocket with this segment uh, to begin with. But, you know, Hero would be uh, far from the first NBA player to to uh, stray a little too far away and it's um, might be even expected at this point with uh, people so rich and famous so probably didn't need to bring that up but as far as on the court I maybe have been I don't know I feel like Heat fans have been known to extremely overrate Tyler Hero, but a lot of people maybe underrate him. And uh, with his performance this year, I think he could be uh, he could be a main uh, trade chip uh, in a deal like this. 
especially alongside Duncan Robinson, who who did once earn his five-year, uh, $90 million contract. Uh, he might might enjoy a mulligan on that one. Uh, but, you know, the production was once there for uh, Duncan to earn that deal. It wasn't just a product of, you know, a 2016 offseason, so... You know, theory's still there for Jazz fans to get to to get those returns, and then two first round picks, not shabby. I don't, I don't hate that one either. Uh, yeah, that might be fairly close to the Knicks offer. Now the Hawks offer um, would be uh, John Collins. Uh, DeAndre Hunter and two first-round picks for uh, Donovan Mitchell. Uh, John Collins has been uh, a hot name, definitely as a you know as as a guy who could be on the move. As he's kind of in the common debate of of whether or not he's good enough to be the second guy on on an important team. But let's not forget that uh, that the Hawks uh, brought us to six games in the Eastern Conference Finals just a year ago. Uh, it was interesting. I was reading an article about this um, earlier today, and they were sort of scoffing at, the idea of the fit between Julius Randle and uh, Julius Randle and Rudy Gobert, and yeah, I I think I like Randle next to Gobert a little better than Collins next to Gobert. I don't know about so much of this year because it's been kind of night and day difference between this this past year and the year before that in which in which Randall earned the contract that he just got with the Knicks but um I thought I thought the idea was that uh Randall was at least a pretty good uh defender uh, the year before this past one um he might have a little. He might have a little bit more chops on the perimeter than Collins is basically. Uh, basically, my thought. And you know, I think Collins could could be a really good uh, help side defender with his incredible leaping ability. But how much do you need that next to Rudy Gobert? Probably not much. But without a doubt, you're asking for RJ Barrett first before uh, Julius Randle. Uh, if I'm the Jazz, if nothing else, just because I think it's it's kind of redundant to have your uh, purely uh, power forward and center as your two best players on a team. Uh, but also, DeAndre Hunter is no slouch. He's the second guy in this deal. Uh, but availability has been a big question for DeAndre Hunter. But he's had some... Some awesome uh, flashes for sure, uh, with uh, real two-way potential. Uh, 
and a wild card one from Indiana. Uh, and I should also I should also mention that that I read essentially two 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 articles from two separate sites. Um, this is this is mostly these exact trades are coming from Bleacher Report. The Julius Randall note came from Basketball News, and this Bleach, Bleacher Report is the only one that has this Indiana note. That's like the only difference, and that one is Brogdon, Heald, and three first round picks for Donovan Mitchell and Royce O'Neal. I don't really like this one. Um, Largely because of Malcolm Brogdon's availability. I think a healthy Brogdon at times has been, uh, oh, you know, close to a guy who would warrant, um, who could be like the best player in, in a trade for, for a guy like Donovan Mitchell, if you're including several draft picks, like in this scenario, uh, with it, and Buddy Buddy Heald is is clearly a starting level player. Three first round picks is nothing to scoff at, but you're you're also giving away Royce O'Neal in this deal. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't really like it. Uh, maybe I'd think more if they were getting back. Tyrese Halliburton, who at least has has more room to grow. Maybe availability is less of a question, but Pacers just traded for him. Um, and salary matching is, is a big factor in having having a, a Brogdon or Buddy in the in the deal instead of Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, should maybe also take into account that the at least this 2022 first round pick is pretty high i think it's the number six pick they could get a pretty valuable guy uh out of that but yeah it's uh it's hard to say for the jazz sake i hope they're somehow able able to uh able to keep donovan mitchell but it sounds like that might be wishful thinking uh at this point Oh, and if you're waiting for me to tie it back to the Bucks somehow, uh, the first returns for uh, head coaching candidates for the Utah Jazz after Quinn Snyder include uh, assistants Johnny Bryant, uh, Alex Jensen, who's currently an assistant with the Jazz, Will Hardy, and Adrian Griffin. Adrian Griffin is the father of potential uh, top 10 pick uh, Adrian, Adrian Griffin Jr. Uh, and then Terry Stotts is the biggest name out of this bunch, who, of course, was the uh, head coach before Chauncey Billups in Portland and was there for quite some time. However, the second returns for the next coach of the Utah Jazz was Milwaukee's own... Um, uh, their assistant Charles Lee, whose whose name has been thrown in almost as much as Darvin Ham, uh, had been mentioned in coaching searches. Uh, so you have to think it's 
it could be only a matter of time for Charles Lee as well. And uh, another assistant was Kevin Young, who was thrown in there with the second batch of guys uh, with Charles Lee. Uh, yeah, it would be cool, selfishly, for the Bucks to have Charles Lee be the lead assistant and fill in uh, Darwin's shoes. That would be really cool to, to get for at least one year. But uh, at the end of the day, we, we want the best for, for guys who have put in their time. Uh, with the Bucks, and we want them to have have the uh, best opportunity for themselves. Now, <laughs> when I was planning out this show, I had the idea that the lead would would be um, more related to uh, potential future Bucks. Um, you know, it might have it might have been thrown around a bit. Um, on other Bucks podcasts, but also I was, I was uh, texting my brother uh, last week, um, and Drew was saying that talking about, um, you know, potential free agents is one of the few uh, topics I could bring up. Now that it's the off season, so I figured, what the heck? All I got to do is is a little bit of research, <laughs> which. Maybe delayed a little bit of the recording. I know there was at least a couple. <laughs> there were at least two days where I where I tried where I had planned on recording and then something. Well, mostly myself got in the way of recording earlier. Um, but to take a lot of time to come up with this list, it's a rather large list um, of guys who I think are at least possible <laughs> with varying degrees of reasonability. Uh, but they're also not, uh, on that note, they're not the flashiest names because yeah, we know we can't be the biggest buyers on a, on the free agent market this summer. Cause we already have our big names. We already have our big three and you know, just, just, uh, you know, giving Chris a little more time to recover will be right right back up there on the top of uh, everyone's list for uh, for title contenders. Uh, but there could be other shoes to fill. So I suppose I'll first start with guards. I split up between guards, wings, forwards, and bigs, <laughs> just taking away one less position. <laughs> Um, amongst the bunch, but for guards, I had uh, Delon Wright, who has been named as um, having a great, uh, great first round series uh, despite the loss uh, to the Miami Heat. I don't think. I think they made it to no more than five games against the Heat. But that was in large part due to um, Trey Young not being able to overcome um, the Heat's great defense. And uh, really, uh, Trey Young's troubles actually might somewhat boost DeLon Wright as uh, the gap between the two. Just for that series alone, 
and, you know, has maybe left a better taste in GM's mouth. Uh, you know, then there may be otherwise would have been <laughs> maybe to put it a little less, uh, less weird. Uh, they might have more of an appetite for, for a guy like DeLon Wright. Other guy I have is Patty Mills, who has a $6.1 million player option with the Brooklyn Nets. I don't think this is, maybe I'm 50-50 on the reasonability here because, um, you know, at Patty's stage, he could could see the Bucks as uh, a better option if he's solely ring chasing. I think that's, uh, if that's the only factor we're looking at at all, the Bucks have the clear advantage over the Brooklyn Nets, but uh, the money between the two deals, uh, assuming we sign, we sign Patty Mills to the uh, taxpayer mid-level exception, I think may only be a couple hundred thousand dollars, which is nothing to... NBA veterans. So just being able to um, stay in a familiar place could be enough to keep Patty Mills in Brooklyn. So I wouldn't put money on that. And same deal with uh, with Gora Drogic as well. Even though those those are both veterans, I would like uh, I'd like to see on the Bucks Corey Joseph. Has a $5.1 million player option. Uh, I don't know if if uh, if he feels like feels like he's outplayed that. I don't know if I don't think he's. I wouldn't say right now, not having watched a lot of uh, Corey Joseph, I wouldn't say that um, he's necessarily worth the entire. Uh, non-taxpayer mid-level exception. Uh, now he could take he could take less um, less than five point million as uh, his starting salary or even his average annual salary um, if he's able to lock in. You know, potentially. More guaranteed money over two years than five million. At this stage in Corey Joseph's career, I think I think he could be he could be a good bargain get uh, for the Bucks. But but we'll see. There might be a little San Antonio connection between uh, Corey Joseph and Mike Budenholzer as well. Speaking of a Mike Budenholzer connection, Dennis Schroeder's another guy um, I threw in there. Might not look great for for Schroeder right now that uh, one of the turning points uh, for a team in the in the finals right now was moving uh, acquiring uh, acquiring a different guy in his spot, but this could be another way for us to to buy low on on a veteran, and he may want to be on the Bucks more than anywhere else. Wouldn't be my number one option, but you know, I think I think uh, I think we could be fooling ourselves if we think that there are that there are ample better options 
than uh than Schroeder. <laughs> and another guy, maybe not prototypically the mold of someone uh, the Bucks would go after is Malik Monk. He was one of the few bright spots for the Lakers. I thought it was ridiculous that he signed for the veteran minimum last year, but maybe that's a sign that he's willing to take a similarly, um, you know, material discount to 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 go to a winning organization. Um, you know, to me, it would have made more sense for him to, to, to chase the bag a bit more because this was only his second NBA contract, but, uh, but I was surprised last season as well. Uh, getting more towards guys that Bucks fans are happier to hear about would be Tyus Jones. He's, um, he's been a, He's been a reliable two-way backup um, all of his career, and he's coming from Memphis, who um, who are a particularly deep squad. So he's not the first Memphis Grizzly that I, or he won't be the last Memphis Grizzly that I have uh, among these players uh, as potential uh, future Bucks, but. Um, but yeah, he wouldn't he wouldn't be leaving the Memphis Grizzlies because the Grizzlies couldn't use him. It would be because um because they have so many other options for guys who who are already gonna be on their roster uh yeah, next year. Uh Victor Oladipo is on here. His stock is still pretty low, but he's he's had flashes. Uh, flashes of being a guy. Um, that would be quite useful if he can get if he can get back to just a higher percentage of Victor Oladipo's future self. He could be he could be a great get, but I think people were also saying that before and. Uh, Vic might have left a little bit to be desired. He might still be seen. He is still seen as as a bit risky. And for a team with not the most flexibility, who can't get too, who maybe can't get too cute with their rotation, like maybe like maybe the Heat can be because they've shown that they can develop more guys. Uh, Bucks fan that might make Bucks fans nervous. Bucks fans would definitely enjoy being able to bring Javon Carter. Being able to bring Javon Carter back. I uh, feel that we always have the have the advantage of, you know, re-signing guys, as I think, if nothing else, familiar, familiarity does carry some weight because uh, um, Javon didn't necessarily get the opportunity here to play himself out of a contract that we could get him that we could give him but yeah I don't I don't think he would he would pull 
uh, Dante DiVincenzo and, you know, have his agent come out and, and, uh, you know, publicly slander the Kings for, for, um, the lack of opportunity that, that they give Dante compared to what Dante thought he deserved. Uh, and, uh, but, but Javon Carter maybe hasn't had the same highs as Dante DiVincenzo has as, uh, starter for the majority of year for an eventual NBA champion. <laughs> Just in case y'all can hear that, that was my that was my little brother Tucky tooting in the middle of the room. And I kn- I already know what you're thinking. So maybe this will give me a little bit more credit. Um I ask that you take me at my word and that I am not editing if you were able to hear my dog's toot to make it sound like it were further away and make it more likely that it isn't my own fart, but (sighs) Oh, Tucky. I wish my parents would let him upstairs now I kept him down here with me while I was back alone but now he can hear them or hear my dad uh goofing upstairs and he wants to be part of that action can't be cooked up down here but felt it was better in the moment that I didn't leave him completely alone but I respect that my that my dad might be respecting uh you know the fact that I'm recording and you know, my my dad might also be here for the most ideal audio and but little does he know, we got a poodle just ripping farts right next right next to my speaker. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Back on topic. Um I had Shake Milton down here. Um, now Shake Milton has a $1.9 million team option, which I think is a no brainer, uh, for the 76ers. So he, he's, he's one of the least realistic targets, but now that the Sixers have both, uh, James Harden and Tyrese, Tyrese Maxey, Yes, I'd be surprised if they didn't re-sign James Harden no matter what. Um, you know, maybe maybe they don't think they need Shake Milton as much. Maybe they're going to be doing, you know, fighting along the edges to um, make sure they're not paying the luxury tax or, play, or paying less of it. Um seems a bit far-fetched though to to you know give up a guy like Shake Milton for only for less than 2 million dollars. Uh, but he uh I think he would be a great guard coming off the bench. Uh he's started plenty plenty of games for the Sixers especially when they had that their disjointed um roster basically to defend Giannis that ended up horribly you know I'm talking about the lineup of uh 
of uh, Simmons, Josh Richardson, Tobias Harris, Al Horford, and Joel Embiid. Uh, rightfully so, analysts thought that that could be maybe the, the, the best defense of all time on paper, but Shake ended up stepping in, I believe, for Al Horford to add a, a little bit more uh, dynamism on offense for the for the Sixers. Uh, Aaron Holiday, Drew's younger brother, I think, is... Uh, is a good option. He uh, played last season initially with uh, their oldest brother, Justin Holiday, on the Pacers before they both got traded around the trade deadline. Uh, Holiday um, was originally... Hmm. Or am I tripping? I, maybe, I think Holiday might have actually been on the Wizards uh, a bit before the trade deadline. I'll have to look that one back up. But Holiday, I, th- I thought, was always an interesting guy. I always was, I always liked what I saw from him. Uh, as a Holiday, you know, he brings it on both, both ends of the court. He has significantly less size than his, than his two older brothers. Um, or rather significantly less height but he's but he's a stocky guy just like drew uh, just not quite as tall and uh you know even though he's young he's been on he's on he's been on three teams in like the past two years and didn't get a ton of chances with the sun so he could be someone to buy low on and he could be particularly interested in the bucks if he wants to play with his brother again uh, while while competing for a championship, last guard I have is Lonnie Walker, kind of in the mold in the mold of uh, of Shake Milton, and maybe Delon Wright. It might be uh, well, yeah, I think it's unlikely, especially after the Spurs gifted Derek White to the uh, now Eastern Conference champion uh, Boston Celtics. I think it's even more likely that they will try to hold on to Lonnie Walker, but they, they opted not to extend him when they had the opportunity to. They also have other guards that they really like, like Josh Primo. Uh, you know, they have Vassell as a wing, and they got back uh, Romeo Langford, another wing. I think they'd rather keep Walker than Langford, of course. But, yeah, they have... They have a ton of young talent, so uh, yeah, I thought they were crazy for giving up a more solidified guy in Derek White um, when they already had a huge stockpile of of young assets. But they also don't they aren't they don't I don't know maybe. Maybe DeJounte Murray's kind of vaulted himself into a higher category here, but no, it might still be in question of what the real direction of this franchise uh, is. And maybe the ascension of DeJounte Murray has made um, paying a guy like uh, Lonnie Walker less intriguing, but 
many other teams can pay uh, Lonnie Walker much more, but he's a guy I like who may not be long for his current roster. Uh, maybe he's left a little bit to be desired, so I thought I'd throw him in here, even if he's not the most likely candidate. Now I'm going to jump to Wings. First name I have on here is Kelly Oubre, who has a partial guarantee. Uh, if the Hornets were to guarantee Kelly Oubre, they'd be paying him a uh, little over $12 million next year. And for a two-way wing like Oubre, I think that is totally reasonable. If I were the Hornets, I, I would guarantee that. Now... They're going to have to give Miles Bridges an enormous payday, who plays um, plays a similar role to Ubre, but a very tradable contract for sure for Kelly Ubre at an expiring twelve point something million dollars. Uh, but. His stock hasn't necessarily been growing um, in the past couple years, and yeah, he would be—he would ultimately be a dream get, really, for for the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, given our current our current cap sheet. But yeah, when guys' stocks are low, I, uh, you know. I'm not I'm not quite as afraid to to put him on a list like this. Cuz yeah. I think I'd feel more foolish putting down a guy whose stock is clearly higher than ever and uh plays the most valuable position in the league and is still young. Um also with the Hornets I put down Cody Martin uh Maybe there's a there's a chance that these guys could be it could be a one one or the other uh, scenario in Charlotte. Maybe they Cody Martin has I mean similar deal plays he's a wing so it plays a really valuable position. My eyes two way talent. Uh, his twin uh, Caleb Martin showed that he was extremely valuable with the Miami Heat, and the Hornets chose Cody over his twin. So they might think, well, we could pay half the amount for Cody, get get mostly the same production as, uh, as Kelly Oubre. Yeah, basketball reference didn't exact didn't say how much was guaranteed for Kelly Oubre, so it's a little hard for me to to calculate that. Uh, but yeah, paying Oubre, Martin, and Bridges in the same offseason could be tough and could leave one of them avail- available to a contender like us. Uh, a couple of bulls, bulls I put down were Trey Brown Jr., and Matt Thomas, Troy Brown Jr. has always been interesting to me. He has a lot of size for a wing and can score. Um, but 
Yeah, the fact that he didn't get much time with the Bulls as a guy with size um, kind of gives me some pause. So... Again, maybe a buy low candidate for the Bucks, but I'm not the most excited about him. Uh, but I'm not I'm not completely giving up on the potential that I've seen so far. Uh, Matt Thomas. Ooh, I believe I'm gonna go out I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that he was the guy who used to play for the Toronto Raptors semi-recently. He was from Onalaska, Wisconsin, and known as a shooter. So, um, so he, uh, so he could be available as well. I don't remember seeing seeing much of him um, on a Bulls roster that. Uh, you'd think had some open spots uh, to be sure. So similar to Troy Brown, I'm not going to get too excited, but I'm not going to completely uh, give up on um, on what we have seen so far uh, from them in the league. Uh, similar guy to Wisconsin's own Matt Thomas was Garrison Matthews, who really got a chance to show out for the Houston Rockets this year. Um, he, he looked a lot buffer than I, than I maybe would have expected from another, uh, another white guy wing. Um, he's got a non-guaranteed deal with the Houston Rockets. Uh, and of course that's an interesting scenario because I don't think he has a large guarantee amount like Kelly Oubre, his guarantee might be, uh, close to that of a minimum contract. So why would the Houston Rockets give up on that? Well, Houston Rockets last year had three first-round picks. They're going to have at least another here. Um, they're, they're completely a youth movement. So if even if they have to, if they feel like give, even if the Rockets have a guy who's worse right now, then Garrison Matthews, if they think they have, he has more potential than uh, Matthews. They could, they might, they might waive Matthews, who's completely not not guaranteed. So, um, so waiving Garrison Matthews wouldn't cost them anything like it would for a partial guarantee for Ubre. So, might be even more interesting to them. Nick Batum has a three point three million dollar player option. Uh, it seemed like particularly last year he had really high stock, kind of kind of surprising people um, with the Clippers. People didn't think he had he had quite as much left in the tank. So it's crazy that he last after last year only earned himself a three point three million dollar player option for this year, um, which couldn't have been more than than a one plus one at the at the minimum for for uh, with that player option. Uh, uh, all that said, I didn't hear as much from Nick Batum. Maybe that's just because I didn't hear much uh, much about the Clippers at all this year because they didn't have Kawhi at all. Uh, so, 
So yeah, I'm at the point where $3.3 million might be closer to Nick Nick Batum's market than you would have thought it was last year. And uh and maybe he's 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 ready to move on from the Clippers if he if he thinks he could have done better elsewhere. But again, similar to Mills, Drogic, um, you know, Batum at this stage in his career could really value the familiarity. And Clippers, of course, Kawhi has sat out a whole year now, so um I'm not going to doubt Kawhi at all when he returns. I'm not getting any younger, but I don't quite think of I don't think of him as old. And he's really nursed injuries in the past, of course, between the Spurs and the and the Raptors, and was the best guy in the playoffs that year. So he could do it again, and that could be really intriguing to Nick Batum, who, uh, you know, who's already moved into a place. Uh, you know, not far from Staples Center. So, I wouldn't put money on that, but worth putting down. Uh, next, I have Pat Connaughton and Wesley Matthews. Uh, now, I wonder with the. Uh, with the news that it's looking more likely that Bobby Portis um, will come back, I hope that doesn't mean mean we would only pay for one of these two guys to come back. I'm not I'm not saying I heard that. That's just been a fear that I had in my mind after we uh, we didn't we didn't re-sign uh, PJ Tucker. Now. Even though PJ Tucker's played a bigger role than, um, yeah, maybe maybe PJ Tucker played a bigger role than Pat and Bobby ever did for the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, starting three full series on a title team. PJ Tucker is like thirty-seven years old, and this year that he had with the Heat was completely. I, I could not I don't I think people no one no one could have seen PJ Tucker having quite the year he had this year given his age and yeah Bobby and Pat clearly much younger and now that we also don't have PJ I think it's gonna be a lot harder for the bucks to talk themselves into. Um, those guys not being absolutely necessary. Um, you know, it will be harder for them to talk themselves out of out of uh, coughing up some dough for Pat Connaughton. Uh, now, excuse me, the, the big choice, maybe I wasn't thinking far enough ahead and... Uh, and uh, the choice really could be Pat Connaughton and Wesley Matthews. Now, you might be saying, well, Wesley Matthews, <laughs> speaking of, speaking of like, unforeseen, um, you know, defensive prowess from old guys, 
Uh, we've heard Wesley Matthews' name thrown into plenty, plenty of statements with the name P.J. Tucker. So, will will the Bucks maybe be afraid to make the same mistake they did last last off season with P.J. Tucker? I could see it. Plus, I don't think Wesley Matthews will have will have the same market PJ PJ had last year as you know coming off of an NBA championship. Um, PJ being seen as as the miss, missing link for a title team. You know PJ's enigmatic s- skill set and his and just his ferocious. Uh, infectious personality um, being so appealing. You know, Wesley Matthews might seem a little more ordinary than P.J. Tucker, so he might have less of a market, and hopefully the Bucks can bring him back for cheap because, you know, I thought it was crazy that Wesley Matthews left the Bucks first, but... You know, the Bucks hadn't quite won a championship left yet, even though they did lose in the second round. He ended up leaving for the returning NBA champions, but, you know, did Wes maybe learn? Does Wes maybe think he he could learn from his previous mistake in leaving the Bucks just before they won a championship? Perhaps. Uh, Josh Kogi is a guy who I think could be really interesting uh, he uh, is an incredibly strong, switchable defender. I don't know how good his jump shot is, uh, but Timberwolves uh, now have a couple young, young, younger guys who have stood out. Um, you know, on 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 the defensive end, and Jada McDaniel's and J- and Jared Vanderbilt, who they. Who they're probably prioritizing over Josh Okoji, but Josh Okoji is also shown to be uh, to be um, a really talented defender in this league. So um, he could be a good get for the Bucks, and we—I don't think we would have to pay too much for Okoji. Uh and more, more uh, in the same breath as Wesley Matthews, Snelly Cat uh, is an unrestricted free agent. He's obviously bounced around a bit, but you know he fits the mold of a valuable, um, valuable wing defender. Could be, could be bought. Um, could be had a lot easier than other wing defenders. Um, he has familiarity with this team. I, I'm really interested to see where Snelly Cat ends up, but maybe I should also temper my expectations because he has he has bounced around a bit. So if he does come up, he, if he does show up on this team, um, yeah, maybe his minutes won't quite be the same. I'll, I'll still always believe in Snelly Cat though. Uh, another good defensive wing was Gary Harris, a really attractive guy 
uh, around the deadline and potential, um, you know, on the top of wish lists for buyouts. Uh, Gary Harris is now an unrestricted free agent. He's also now made a lot of money in the league with his second contract, uh, originally with the Denver Nuggets. Um, then got traded to the Orlando Magic. Maybe he has, um, maybe he has a greater thirst for joining a, a potential title team instead of chasing the bag. So he's a prime candidate. Um, probably also leaving a team who would value uh, prote- potential over uh, production in the Magic. So uh, I think I think there will be a lot of teams going after Harris, and for good reason. Lastly, for the Wings, and uh, I think I'm going to cover the forwards and bigs next time I record because uh, – I don't know. I don't know how big of topics there will be next time around, but I put down Jeremy Lamb as the last guy here. Uh, he, not this season, but the one prior, he suffered uh, a major injury. Uh, and he was also part of the uh, the uh, Halliburton and Sabonis trade. So I. <laughs> I don't know, he's kind of like this in the mold of some of these guys I brought up, like kind of like a Gary Harris, but maybe maybe not quite on the same level um, of, a, of a guy who, yeah, it would, it would be buying low. <laughs> I don't know how many times I can say that, but... Um, You know he's he's been seen as more valuable in the past, but um, it's just kind of the deal with with wings in general. Um, where even even if uh, you're a little less sure of them now, you know at one point they could, you know they could perform on both ends of the court and. That is what teams seem to want more uh, than anything else right now, especially uh, a squad like the Bucks, who have limited resources. And uh, with now being the time uh, to strike in terms of uh, being a win-now team and uh, still having the core that we have today, but... Yeah, you hope that. Uh, yeah, you you you'd hope as a fan that the front office focus is still, uh, you know, as intense as ever uh, in trying to get back back to the mountaintop. Uh, yeah, now that we officially know we. It's not something that we can just shrug off and, um, you know, bring home a title every year just because Giannis, uh, no matter how amazing a guy is, this is too competitive of a league. And, uh, yeah, you got to get too lucky to, to 
you know, to, uh, to get to your ultimate goal every year. But in Horst, I trust, and I hope you all do too. Wow. Okay. This is totally an audible bot. I'd be remiss if I didn't go over my scouting report for the week. And maybe I shouldn't have shouldn't have uh, talked so much about Donovan Mitchell earlier, but we only have so many weeks until the NBA draft, so I'm going to quick go over um, my prospect for this week. I don't see him as the top target for the Bucks, so hopefully it's not the worst thing in the world that I'm going to go over this too quick. And that is uh, Walker Kessler uh, out of Auburn. Out of Auburn, he's a seven foot one center with a seven five wingspan. He's twenty years old. Um, he's um, one easily one of the best rim protectors in the in in the class. Um, he does a good job uh, keeping keeping his hands straight up. Uh, performs well. Uh, and help defense. He covers more ground than you would maybe than you would maybe think um, from you know another big white guy in college. Uh, he gets up and down up and down the floor fast, um, and uh, you know because he you know he can have a a bit of speed to him, especially. Um, Especially if he if he does get to get to you know a straight line drive, uh, he's he's able to get a chase chase down block here and there. Uh, he doesn't get caught in the air uh, too much on pump fakes, um, and with his with his length, he's able to um, able to block more shots on the on the perimeter. Uh, you know against guards who think they've created enough space. Um, he's not, he's also um, not blown by uh, as often as a, as a big dude uh, like he uh, might more often than not. And he handles physicality pretty well. He does a good job uh, sticking his chest out and uh, guys, uh, yeah, can't um, have as much success going through, going through him um, as they'd like. Um, he finishes well in the pick and roll. I thought I saw that he finished uh, an insane like ninety something percent of his shots uh, at the rim in the pick and roll. He's a lob threat. Um, he has good timing as well um, on his rolls, which which uh, contributes to his high percentage looks at the rim. He's He's good in the short roll too. Um, kind of going back to how once he once he gets to a, a, a straight line drive, he can he can uh, he can he can uh, attack an opening uh, quite effectively, and he is not af- not afraid to uh, punch it on punch it on someone's head either. Uh, some negatives though, he's not a strong three point shooter. Um, He's 
he seems confident at times in his shot, but it's not a smooth jumper, uh, not like that of 2022 Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, he doesn't move great laterally. I talked a lot about how, how like, how like once he gets once he gets going, he can he can cover a lot of ground. But yeah, not good laterally. Um, can't um, turn his hips as fast as others. Uh, and he doesn't and he doesn't have a ton of room for error when it when it comes to defending uh, against pump fakes kind of his stiffness makes um you know necessitates him um you know having perfect timing when contesting a shot um and he can be overly aggressive on the perimeter um for some reason, jumping passing lanes, even though that's not quite his wheelhouse, um, as you as you'd uh, guess from a guy of his mold, um, really foul prone. Um, gets whistled for a charge often, uh, and uh, like I said, he's good. He's good at staying strong and uh, and puffing out his chest. Um, as to not get back down or driven through. Um, but he also goes a little too far sometimes on defense where he can follow the body of guys to um, kind of running into them on defense when, uh, you know, his size and strength is plenty enough to defer uh, defenders most of the time. So, yeah. At the end of the day... <laughs> Also, once I do cover the bigs uh, on next week's episode, you'll see a theme in and guys who can shoot. Um, and having having a core piece like Giannis Antetokounmpo, I think the Bucks have wisely gravitated towards uh, stretch bigs, which Kessler is not. But then again, if he can come in and be a backup big man right away, um, that maybe that is intriguing. For the Bucks, I'm having a hard time talking myself into it. Uh, admittedly, because there are, there is a good chance that we end up just trading this pick um, for for a veteran. Um, um, yeah, I even I even debated altering my my big board a little bit here, but. Um, I maybe touched on Nikola Jovic the last time, the last time, uh, I came in here cause he was the other guy on my list when I did my weighted average of guys to evaluate. And at least Walker Kessler has an NBA ready skill right now. And that is, um, that is his interior defense. So I, I at least think I would get, I would pick Walker Kessler over Nikola Jovic if I were the Bucks. But if those are our two choices, uh, I might put my money on us moving moving the pick for someone else. But, yeah, I look forward to talking more about big men next time around. And, uh, yeah, I'll also continue watching uh, the finals as it's one of the best times of the year right now, even if our Bucks uh, are done playing. But hopefully we'll get to watch more Bucks games next year. 
but got to fill out the rest of the rotation before then. Uh, but, you know, until there's a, until there's some more bucks to, to talk about, uh, I'll just be waiting and listening for it. Until then, I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck a Few Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.